to talk about Najee Harris as part of the future. Yes, I said that once and for all. Good morning to you. Good Tuesday morning. I'm Dayan Kovacevic of DK Pittsburgh Sports, and this is Daily Shot of Steelers. It comes your way bright and early every weekday. If you're into hockey and or baseball, I also offer daily shots of Penguins and Pirates in the same place that you found this. Look, I've been tough on the kid. There have been times when I didn't like what I saw on the field, those games where he'd carry 30 times for 34 yards. I'm exaggerating, but you know what I mean. There were times I didn't like his seeming duplicity off the field, meaning he'd be super nice and happy in one setting and then something else completely whenever not everybody was looking. And I also wasn't wild about the occasions on which he would function as de facto or wannabe GM, which happened right through the very end of their season in Orchard Park. But I got to tell you, he came through and he won me over. And for as many times as I mentioned that there's a chance or maybe there should be a chance that he wouldn't have that fifth year option exercised. Right now, it's just a no-brainer, isn't it? I don't even know that it would be a point of discussion, but I also feel like just leaving it open-ended from where I was for the better part of the season isn't right either. It's not fair. Over three seasons since being a first-round draft pick out of Alabama, Najee has 3,269 rushing yards, 22 touchdowns. And he's also caught the ball 144 times for 866 yards. That latter number probably could be higher over the course of time, but it does take his overall figure, his 3269 and his 866, and puts him over 4,000 yards for this offense. And he's done it, if we're all being honest here, under some pretty adverse circumstances. Lousy coordinator, lousy offensive line, lousy passing game for the most part. So, yeah, he's going to stay. And if anybody had any doubts about that, when Mike Tomlin was asked about it last week at his press conference, meaning the fifth-year option, this was the entirety of his response. Man, he's been what we needed him to be. Um, I read a stat, I think, you know, he's a 1,000-yard rusher three straight years and how scarce that is. And I just think that speaks to his consistency, availability. Um, He's been really solid. Yep, all he really needed to say, huh? He loves this kid, and he's loved him for a long time. And I dare say that over the past handful of games, in the regular season and into the playoffs, a lot of the stuff that didn't make sense about Najee, about drafting Najee, about the coach's very visible affection for Najee, All of that just seemed to play itself out like a lot of other things did with NFL-level quarterbacking. We finally saw that long-awaited identity. Yeah, the big plays were nice. The 60-yard-plus touchdowns. Getting Pat Fryermuth more involved, especially in Cincinnati, also really nice. Keeping Jalen Warren active, involved sometimes leading the way. Super nice. But you needed an engine. And that's how I'd think of it. I'd think of what happened over those final four games 
as being Mason Rudolph as the driver, but Najee is the engine. Because Najee was the one who would take the ball and get you that first six, seven yards to back off the defense and to let them know they were going to be in for a day. From there, as Mason acknowledged repeatedly over that month, he was able to get better looks against the defense. His receivers and their routes were able to be a little bit more diversified and get them a little bit more open. The safeties, and this is something Mason stressed a lot, couldn't just sit back there, you know, like vultures waiting for you to throw where they know you're going to throw. They had to activate. They had to come up. Even in Baltimore, where they had absolutely no intention of doing that, they did that. And that was to Najee's credit, principally to Najee's credit. Yes, there was good run blocking. Yes, all the other stuff I mentioned, but it was 22 who was blowing people backward, who was dragging them along, who was intimidating them in a way. That means something to a defensive unit. They don't like that. They don't like being embarrassed. But they also don't like having to tackle a back like that repeatedly. And one of the neatest things about Najee's numbers over this past season is that they all went way, way, way up in the second half. So what happened to all of my constant calls for more Jalen, more Jalen? Well, you know, it's funny. Strangely, I don't take those back. I don't recant those because at the time, and you'll remember through that really nasty three-game losing streak that culminated with that really poor effort overall in Indianapolis, Jalen's numbers were way higher than Najee's. And Najee was having a tough time finding holes even when the holes were there. We talked about it at the time. But then, for whatever reason, things just seemed to come together with that home game against the Bengals. Again, Mason's first game as starter. And you saw Najee go hard, either for a full series or two series or part of a series. Then Jalen comes in, and there were different types of runs that were executed. Good play calling, incidentally, by Mike Sullivan, who also shouldn't be forgotten or lacking credit for that surge. And they made sense, and the passing game made sense, and the rhythm between the two made sense. And you know what else made sense? Finally, even though both of these players had told me this all along, the chemistry between Najee and Jalen. There was, on and off the field, a complete selflessness, not one tiny trace of anything between the two that resembled jealousy, animosity, even wishing they'd be more popular or wouldn't be the one hearing the criticism. And Jalen was particularly good about that stuff because he was the one most of the time who was getting asked questions like, do you think you should be playing more? Do you think you should be playing more? Whereas Najee was being asked questions like, how about Jalen? Isn't he awesome? They hung together. And the part that they kept emphasizing to me was that they need each other. They're not anywhere near as effective without the other guy doing his thing. And eventually it sunk through my thick head that they meant it because they went out there and showed it. That was led by the engine and that's Najee. When we come back, J1Q. 
This segment of Daily Shot is brought to you by our good friends at Mike's Beer Bar. They're located on Federal Street, directly across from PNC Park. Mike has more than 500 beers on tap, including from more than 50 local breweries. Stop in and say hello. Tell Mike we sent you. Mike's Beer Bar. Exciting news from Live Casino Pittsburgh's Poker Room. Join them this month for an $8,000 cash drawing on January 21st at noon. Don't miss the Westmoreland 300 Multi-Flight Poker Tournament starting January 23rd with a $25,000 guarantee prize pool. Seize your chance in the daily high-hand hustle promotion. The first 10 high hands went up to $200 with a second round from 6 to 10 p.m. More action more winnings only at Live Casino Pittsburgh's Poker Room. Visit livecasinopittsburgh.com for details. Also, be sure to follow Live Pittsburgh's Poker Room on X at Live Poker WML for promotion and tournament news. Today's J1Q comes from Randy Wagner. Who says, Zach Robinson groomed at the Rams? I like that idea already. He's been around the NFL as a player. Patriots, Seahawks, Lions, and Bengals. Rams sure did fire up their offense this year. They seem to hit many times on their draft picks. The draft's where it's at. They cashed in on not just one of their star receivers 2023, but they seem to spread around the ball quite a bit. Demarcus Robinson, Puka Nakua, a premier running game with Kyron Williams. If Zach could bring some of that punch to our Steelers, then bring him in. Randy's fired up. All that became known yesterday, for anybody who doesn't know what Randy's referencing, is that the Steelers are one of multiple teams to have requested the opportunity to interview Robinson. He's an interesting case in that he's one of those young, dynamic, up-and-coming types that I think all fans seem to be on board with right now. All fans of this team seem to want somebody who's the next dot, dot, dot. But you've got to dovetail that with what Mike Tomlin said in his season-ending press conference, which is that he wants someone with NFL coordinating experience. Robinson doesn't have that. He would also theoretically want someone with NFL play calling experience. Robinson has that in LA, but only in the preseason, something that the Rams allowed him to do, presumably because you like to give smart people, good people, the opportunity to advance, even if that means advancing elsewhere. It's a great way to maintain a healthy coaching culture. Nobody ever likes to feel as if they've got a ceiling over their heads. Parenthetically, I want to throw in that Robinson has a background at Oklahoma State, which is, of course, where Mason Rudolph was a standout and a half in his time there. I don't believe for a second that that would have any meaning here until after the fact. In other words, that wouldn't be a reason that you would want to interview somebody, especially when you don't even have Mason signed. But it could be one of those things afterward where you say, oh, look, we just signed Mason and we have this guy from Oklahoma State as our coordinator. And gee, what a neat thing. And someone at Steelers.com writes a feature about it and everyone talks about it. But beforehand, no, no, nothing there. No way. The encouraging thing is that this is at least a start 
towards showing that one of the main things, if not the most important thing that was broached by Tomlin last week, has a chance to become reality, that they will at least take seriously their approach toward finding a coordinator as opposed to just asking the guy at the next cubicle if he wants to do it. So that's a positive. That's a positive. Who knows where this offseason is going to go, my friends? The, the imagination even now runs wild. But I'll tell you this. If they bring in somebody who is legitimately intelligent and imaginative and forward-thinking when it comes to an NFL offense, oh, man. I appreciate the question. It's a good one. I appreciate everybody listening to Daily Shot of Steelers. We will do another one of these tomorrow. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.